You're listening to Dance Matters podcast series created for the Interchange Festival and commissioned by Delving into Dance and Critical Path. In it, I speak to a variety of people who work with or are interested in dance. I begin each conversation asking them what are the first three words that come to their mind when they think about dance. Alive, freedom and creativity. From there, we freestyle into a plethora of themes that touch upon the relationship between dance and care for the environment. We speak about connection between dance and intuition. We dream about a world where everyone would dance, a world without judgment and with a greater sense of community. We look at the connection between dance and uncertainty and how dance could teach us to embrace the natural flow of life. And amongst all this talk about movement, we also consider the importance of stillness and silence, both in dance and in life. In the episode you're about to listen, you will hear from Australian dancer and filmmaker Diane Pusatil, who is also founder and a facilitator of Creative Caring, an organization that brings dance to people with dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and multiple sclerosis. For Diane, dance is closely connected to creativity and is a way to challenge the borders of conditioned behavior. The podcast with Diane was produced on the Gadigal land of Eora Nation, traditional custodians of the land on which we live, work and dance. And we pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. What three words come to your mind when you think about dance? Um, alive, freedom and creativity. What is your earliest memory with dance? Hmm. I don't know that I have one. What came to my mind it's not exactly answering your question though. Um, when I was a child I didn't like to wear clothes. Still I like to not wear clothes as often as possible. And I used to run. Sometimes they would chase me and I would run naked. It's not exactly a dance, but it's a movement showing freedom. And yeah, so I guess even in that little image, there's a contradiction of freedom and yet someone, you know, a superior person wanting to stop 
this action. Is there a link between nakedness and the dance? Funnily, again, a lot, a lot of my works are naked. A lot of my films, actually, and I, yeah, I do some. I did a naked piece in Melbourne at Dance House. Esther Salomon came out to Australia. She's based in Berlin, and the work was incredible. It was embodying gender perspectives, and yeah, I really loved it. I really loved the whole process, but this was completely naked. And why do you like to approach dance in that way? It's not so much I like to approach dance in that way. I think each project I do tells me what it requires. So the first film I ever made out at Lake George at Elizabeth Cameron Dalman's property or just near her property, it just happened that way, really. It was a relationship with the dirt, with the earth, with the water, with the sand, with the wind. It just seemed normal almost to... It, I think it would be extremely strange to be wearing underwear or a bikini or something in in this telling of the story that I wanted to tell. And so that has happened a few times. So with Curdled, which is a one-minute dance film that I made, I just wanted skin really and the skin had to cover the whole frame so I guess each project just tells me really what it requires but there is there's a special beauty in in a way it speaks its own language that you don't impose fashion or practical clothing if you don't have to I'm thinking about being unrestricted mm. and you were speaking about dancing connection to freedom and body being freed from layers put on top mm. of it. Another thing that you refer to briefly there is wanting to be in touch and connection to the elements such as earth and sand and water. You're addressing there responsiveness to space, being aware of the space. Mm. What does this concept spatial awareness mean to you? How do you describe it? How do you reflect on it? I guess that's a very big question. <laughs> so if I think of space that I like to use personally, I think of the floor. I'm very connected to a floor and moving from a grounded space. Space in general, well... It's variable and it's changing all the time. That influences us every day. If we get up and we go to the beach first thing in the morning and then we come back home and begin our day, we have a sense of expansion. We have a sense of replenishing energy from the ocean. But I think space is changing because of our use of electronic devices and that's taking responsibility or enabling people to be less responsible for their own awareness of their kinesthetic space, which then bleeds, obviously, into the awareness of other people's space. Mm. I'm asking this question because some of the things that dance has left on my life is this awareness of the space, 
of how the space affects me and how I affect the space. And building from that, I was wanting to ask you, what do you feel that training in dance and being a dancer has left? What kind of mark has it left on your life? And how would your life be different and your relationship to the environment, to other people, to yourself, if you weren't a dancer? Well, I sometimes wonder how people cope not having a relationship to their body, maybe not being aware that they're slouching all day or little tics and habits that we all have. Are people aware of them? I wonder about this. Mm. What does that do to us, in your view? What changes when we are aware of it? Well, I think it creates dis-ease. So anything that is left unattended to will just develop and cultivate and then it will still reside in your body if you hold it. I mean, obviously, any awareness to how you're feeling and the safe expression of your feelings is going to allow for freedom. And that's what I think movement, not movement alone, but movement is a big part of that process where we get to look at ourselves, check in daily. If we have a daily practice, we can check in, see how we're doing, or just observe. Yeah, I think having self-awareness and then release through the movement yeah to to acknowledge and to to own it i guess yeah what do you make of this idea that some people have of themselves that they can't dance well i deal with that often with the seniors so some people they always say to me, oh, I can't dance. <laughs> and I say, oh, yes, you can. Let's try. Let's see. And then I'll say, oh, but you were dancing. You, you did this and that. So that is one element of my work that I really enjoy, demystifying their own beliefs. And on the flip side, I've seen people over 100 still dancing. So where does this conception that we have of ourselves, some of us have of ourselves, come from that we can't dance? What happens? I have no idea. Um, maybe they were taught, maybe they were told not to dance or that they couldn't dance or that dance is embarrassing or that dance isn't for women. There's a lot of stories that our parents or relatives feed us that you know, we have to unwind through our lives. So, and then it's up to the individual. Do you rebel against that or do you believe it? It's up to the individual. Mm. Dance is obviously about movement. That's how most people think about it. But there is obviously pause and stillness in dance mm. as well as a major mm. component of it. How do you relate to pause and stillness as a dancer? I love stillness. I love it. Yeah. People would maybe not think that. But um, the project that Trevor and I did, I did um, dynamic meditation, and there are five stages. And there's a stillness stage, 
And yeah, to my surprise, there's so many places you can go in stillness. There's so many. It's a very fertile state. I think there's a richness in going inward. Not that you have to go inward if you're silent or still, but it does evoke that journey if you are in stillness. What happens to the movement when it comes from that space of inwardness and stillness? What happens to me is I would usually then begin to generate movement from a state. So I would be investigating a state of what's inside, a state of confusion, a state of feeling alone, a state of joy, anger, who knows what could be there at that time. And then I pay attention to that and try to be with it, just to be with it, not determine it, not direct it. And then in movement I would resonate perhaps, maybe resonate from the inside and just move in the expression of whatever that state is to It speaks to me about openness, opening yourself to whatever comes. That is also in some way I feel connected to freedom, to allowing yourself to be and mm. to express yourself through that which is deeply inside of you rather than what you are supposed to project yes. or express or give. Yes. When you spoke about freedom, because it was one of the three words you mentioned, well, how do you define freedom in relation to dance? Well, I think what you just said does define it because there are, we have so many rules, whether they're conscious or subconscious. I can give you two examples that just sort of at the top of my head. So if I was to sit on the train where people are watching me and I sit as a woman with my legs wide apart, I'm okay with that. I think some people would maybe feel uncomfortable with that, even if I'm not intentionally wanting to disturb or harm. It could be something that's a physical relationship to space that I would say most people assume it's okay for men to do and not okay for women to do. Another one would be yawning. Definitely in ballet class you cannot yawn. I remember as a ballet student I got into so much trouble once because I yawned and the teacher took that personally and was very upset. And I said, well, it's a human bodily function. I'm not doing it as any form of protest against your teaching. That also didn't go down very well. So in my classes, we do an exercise where it's okay to yawn and you make you make a big movement of an extension of the limbs. And then I started to integrate also the mouth and a little bit of sound. And I could see some people... Some people just did it and embraced it, were okay with it, and other people felt, should I be doing this? Is it okay? So I guess as dancers we cross all those borders of what's acceptable and what's not. We live in the world, so we do surely adapt to those um, ideas of 
physical conditioning in society, but it's nice to bring that into a class and, you know, open things up. Mm. That question is great, even to bring that question in class. Should I be doing something? Should I be moving in a certain way? Mm. What are some of the moments in your life when you experience yourself being still? Hopefully when I go to bed. <laughs> I love that. I love to go inside and be still. Good. And then I'm very conscious of when it's difficult. If for some reason I have a pain or can't stop thinking and then I'm moving. Um, you know, I like to meditate on the train. I Not always, but it's, it's a time when I think I can just be still and focus mm. on my breathing. Akram Khan, who is a UK dancer and choreographer, said that the only time he's still is when he dances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not my relationship at the moment to dance. I'm not. Um, I'm not training as a dancer every day anymore. So the vessel of my body is having different experiences, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, I think if you're listening to something that's motivating you from the inside, even a thought is an action, I guess. So it would be beautiful to feel that you're an empty vessel full of stillness whilst moving. <laughs> That's a beautiful expression, empty vessel. Makes me think of another question I wanted to ask you, and it's in relationship to being a trained and in some way therefore conditioned dancer, as any trained dancer is. We are conditioned movers. And then breaking through that and becoming improvisational dancer, intuitive dancer, freestyle dancer. What is the thing that enables you to let go, to stop analyzing, to really be just in the moment and let the movement take over where you don't even exist anymore? It's just pure movement. If, if that is how you would describe that experience. I think for me, I've always rebelled not against technique but I rarely use technique I mean of course I use technique because it's embodied as you said it's embodied in our bodies but honestly I think the key is to be able to elevate yourself above the technique and make it creative for example I think classical ballet is one of the hardest techniques to be creative with because it's such a strong discipline to use that same discipline and at the same time express freedom I think is quite powerful so I think I've always used my imagination I've always been leaning towards the creative side of how I can use what I learn to tell a story or to have a relationship with somebody else or or in a group so Yeah, I've never really felt bound to any 
technique and quite the opposite. I quite like the discipline of it. I'm not exactly doing it right now, but I really have enjoyed that aspect, the, the discipline. Mm. Mm. So, on one hand, you were rebelling technique and discipline, but you also miss it. Is that what you're expressing now? Um, no, I think in terms of freedom and creativity, there was always a, like the technique was the bouncing, the platform with which the creativity came. I never felt, I always had the mind somehow that I could mix things up, I guess, and turn it into something. I, I mean, I never really worried if it was right or wrong. Maybe that's the answer, that I can just try something without caring if it's right or wrong. Mm. Is that how you approach life in general? No. <laughs> That's interesting that dance then provides that space where you can. Well, I think creativity, creatively, sure, if you're going into the studio and your tools are movement, you know, if you want to make sound with your body, you have so many options. If you want to be still... I think in creativity, I would say there, I go in without the idea of a limitation, without the idea of judgment, mm. therefore this idea of right and wrong. But yes, I would say I'm different in life where I do think about things beforehand and at the same time, Everything teaches me, you know, you do something wrong, you try and cook something, it doesn't work, you learn that next time, okay, that's what I have to do because I didn't leave it long enough or whatever. So I think life teaches us what we need to know if we're open enough to being responsive. Mm. You said that and you made a sound of making a sound with your body. Have you experienced dancing in silence? Yes, but I'd say there's always an internal rhythm. Uh, I'm quite rhythmical, actually. I always hear rhythms that I can just interpret through the body. So I guess there's nobody else hears them, but I'm not sure if it's really silent. You did a residency with Legs on the Wall where you explored the internal states of noise and texture of internal architecture. And there you were inspired by Osho meditation techniques. Was that exploration of silence in any way or opposite to silence? Well, that was working with internal states. So I used the meditation I use that technique because I find it a good way to really get me connected to what's inside. I don't think I quite managed that in a week. However, at the same time, I did cultivate a, definitely not a story, but maybe some words that would eventually create a garden of narrative or non-narrative. Yeah, I like working with internal states and I think getting to a point of silence for me usually means doing the opposite first. So you 
get out all the chatter, get out all the rubbish, empty everything out until you're that empty vessel and just listen to what's to what's going on in there, to what state or what resides inside of us. And yes, I'm sure other artists do that with, you know, painting perhaps or sound creation, but for me it's movement where I can show the form of what's happening in my internal space. Mm. Is silence then similar to stillness? Not for me, no. What's the difference? Well, I can be still, but as I said, maybe there's an internal dialogue or maybe there's an internal rhythm. So I would say it's not complete silence. And even if there is complete silence, maybe there's white noise, maybe there's distant noise, maybe there's internal chatter. I think maybe only the monks are practicing a combination of silence and stillness, I don't know. There is also this thought that I came across recently, but I'm sure it's been around in many different ways, that there is something political about dance. Sure, I'm not sure that dance can be removed from the space in which it exists in to be non-political. Yeah, I think most dance does definitely reference a culture or a time or a relationship or a climate of of some description. Mm. And if you look back in history, of course, movements are affected in all different art forms and those movements are a direct relationship to the politics and the society at the time. Buto, for example... Even tap dance was very political in its beginnings. Mm. Then there is also politics, I guess, in, again, removing those barriers, finding freedom in it, finding your way through. Well, I guess it's up to the creators how near or far they want to remain from political commentary. And sometimes it comes by accident. Imagine the world where everyone would dance. There would be no person who would think that they can't dance. And maybe the days would begin with a dance, just like we brush our teeth and wash our faces and have a shower. What would that world look like? Well, I've always wanted that we can dance down the street because I often feel like doing it. And I'm aware that I might get arrested or somebody might think I'm on drugs. You know, it would be considered as outside of those unspoken laws of society if I was to dance down. So I I would love that. I would love that anybody who feels like waking up and dancing can. Why not? What would be our relationship to the earth, to Mother Earth, if we've done that? And if we started doing something like that? A lot of cultures already have that relationship. Dancing through rite of passage and more community dances that mark, you know, 
different moments, weddings, anniversaries, um, circumcision, christenings. Yeah, that's the world I would like to be in. Um, I've always felt a little bit ripped off that I'm a Westerner. I've always wished that I was actually more connected to an Indigenous culture where that was more a part of my understanding of life's phases and yeah so I think a lot of cultures are obviously still still doing that and have a beautiful relationship to the earth and cultivate spaces that are sacred where they have burning ceremonies when this is their sacred dance area yeah I think we would respect the earth a bit more hopefully if we were to celebrate through dance more often, more freely, without being arrested. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Dance Matters podcast series produced for the Interchange Festival and commissioned by Delving into Dance and Critical Path. This podcast was recorded and edited by Ira Ferris, with music and production support of Trevor Brown. For other eight episodes in this series, see Dance Matters playlist on Artemis Project SoundCloud, and you can also listen via iTunes. <laughs>